0: And welcome once again to an episode of the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationsforadults.com. And welcome to episode 73. My name is Rachel, and to joining me today are Chris. Hello. And Dan. Hello. How are you guys doing this week?
1: All right. All right. How are All you? Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: In today's episode, we are going to be taking a look at the 1995 film, uh, anime film, Ghost in the Shell, since its uh, "quote unquote" live action counterpart has been gaining a bit of a mixed reputation. So we figured that while at this point, I don't believe any of us have had an opportunity to actually see the film, the live action adaptation, as of yet. uh, I had a chance,
2: but I I didn't want to take
3: it.
0: Well, part of the reason that is, is because the fact that the original Ghost in the Shell, um, Mamoru Oshii's Ghost in the Shell, is such a well-renowned and beloved film. So, we are going to take today's episode to kind of go in more of an in-depth discussion about why this film is so beloved by so many, including, you know, ourselves included. Um, I will admit, I have not had much of an experience with the film, other than like one or two viewings, um, as far as... You know, Chris has explained to me he has seen the film and he's also uh, familiar with the animated series that have spun off as a regard, you know, spun off the film. And Dan, you also have a bit more of a history with Ghost in the Shell?
2: Yeah, same thing as Chris, really. Just, like, love the TV show, like the second movie. I don't think I've seen anything made after the second season of Standalone Complex, though. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: I've not seen, like, I think it's called The New Movie, and then they did rise. I've not seen any of those.
0: Okay. So kind of a bit, bit mix of a uh, of mix of knowledge in regards to the this particular film and the franchise yeah. that kind of spun off from it. So we're going to go into that as our main topic for today, and I'm really looking forward to having a bit of a, you know, multiple different perspectives on the uh, film. But before we get into that, we're going to get into a couple of uh, news stories that have been kind of breaking through the web uh, that are... We're really eager to talk about one. Uh, the one we're going to start off with is a bit of a controversial topic in uh, regards to the uh, Academy Awards and uh, how they're planning on. I believe it was as judging the uh, in regards to films and and particularly animated films.
2: Judging it's- is definitely the word.
0: <laughs> well,
1: we've talked about before how how the um. Best Animated Feature Award at the Oscars has an, or, you know, they haven't always had the best reputation of picking the actual winner that you might pick because it's basically always been a Disney film or a Pixar film more often than not. Like, nine out of the last ten years or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But we've said the actual nominees have always have actually been much better than that. And we've seen lots of films like um, Song of the Sea, My Life as a Courgette, Boy in the World, m- When Marnie Was There, things like that be nominated that people wouldn't necessarily have heard of otherwise uh, mm. because they've been nominated by uh, members of the Academy who are animators or involved in animation. And we've always gone, oh, isn't that good? The only problem is that Disney always win. I wish they'd sort that out. But the Academy decided... They looked at it and they thought, you know what's wrong here, is the fact that we keep nominating all these small films and stuff, rather than the big, big um, Hollywood CG offs and everything. Why aren't we nominating all the DreamWorks and Blue Sky films and everything? Uh, because what they've decided is, apparently they thought that the animators have a bit of a bias towards traditional and independent films, and so Are they. You so they are opening the opening the pool of people who can apply to nominate this category to the wider academy in an effort to try and diversify them. <laughs> it's such
0: it's, it's Diver- what? What? diversify it's, it's
1: commercialize <laughs> diversify yes. by, by homogenize it's yeah
2: it's so wow. ridiculous that that they've chosen This cat like this category to come down on because, (laughs) I mean, no one. Why? Why? The the worst thing you can say is, "Oh, I've never heard of that film, and I'm not going to watch it." That's but it's no skin off the teeth of Zootopia for, um, you know, My Life is a Courgette to be nominated. It's no skin off that that movie's teeth in terms of. Uh, like Box Office or Recognition or anything like that because they're Disney they have nothing to worry about but for smaller studios and smaller movies um, especially independent productions um, they really really uh, benefit mm-hmm. from from the, these sorts of uh, nominations like for instance the, the recognition that Cartoon Saloon has got from yeah. all of its nominations Um is, is pretty invaluable. um and the same obviously goes for like much smaller things like My Life was a, uh, Courgette or, or, but the, the thing about it that just pisses me off frankly <laughs> is that it's not about appreciating it. It's, it's, well, it's the Oscars up to their usual bullshit frankly. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to say. It's just sad. It's just sad.
0: It, it really comes, like you said, like we were saying earlier. It really, I think, it comes down to it's not it's not diversifying. That is that is not the word that is best suited for the situation. It is it's commercializing because they only want it's. It sounds like they just want to have a, a better find a way to better promote or yeah. promote even further films that are already doing super successful. They're from bigger studios or you know, like you said, no you know no skin off the teeth. But when you know and kind of just kind of glossing over these other films just because, oh, we've never heard of these films or this studio, why would we want to see that over any of these, like, bigger studios? Like, isn't that why we come to the Oscars to find out? Like, I, I, isn't that yeah. what the whole purpose is, is, to be celebrating film of all types, regardless of how big they are?
1: I mean, no one says that
2: about the foreign language
3: film exactly.
1: category. Exactly. it about the, the main, like, best picture category. They don't give it to... Mm. avengers no <laughs> they, they give it to you know prestige films yeah they but animation animation is not real films so it doesn't count
0: i mean, apparently and, uh, according to the academy
1: but the, the
2: okay so so basically um the the argument i've seen about this is that the in 2014 um it's lego movie this is all about the movie
0: i remember this conversation
2: the, the Lego movie was supposedly snubbed. Um, all the other
0: movies were better.
2: But all the <laughs> other movies. Okay, maybe. what other movies were there? Were,
1: were um? This is the yeah, Song of the Sea was nominated. Song of the um, Sea. with Princess Kaguya.
2: Yep. Um. Maxine Dragon 2. Yep. Box Trolls. Yep. And Song of the Sea. And Big Hero 6 1.
1: Yeah, maybe Big Hero 6 wasn't the best one, but. <laughs>
2: But that didn't happen because it was nominated at the Oscars. It, ha- it happened because it was probably the biggest movie, aside from probably *How to Train Dragon* two that year, mm-hmm. in terms of like general um, audiences' um, and, uh, uh, encounters with animation. And and it was um, it was just it was like the year that *Frozen* one. Mm. Um, it's very insightful to read the um, anonymous. Um, Oscar voter things that variety I think or Hollywood Reporter put out every year Um and some of them were just like yeah you know I think my kid liked Frozen but I walked out halfway through to take some calls and I didn't see the rest of the things and there was some Chinese one online there. Uh, uh yeah Frozen why not I've seen the most posters for that round it's it's not <laughs> that's like they, lame
0: I'm only gonna vote for this because it's po- everyone else is saying it's good like we'll, I'd, we'll I'd, see I'd, the darn film
2: I'd say it's a trade right they're allowed to change the category, obviously, because they're at the academy and it's their awards and whatever and all the rest of it. But take the category seriously. Mm. <laughs> if, yeah. If, if, if you're going from now on, say, okay, we're not going to have any red turtles or My Life is Zucchini, zucchinis, or um, Boy in the World. All right, fine. All right, we'll enjoy those movies, just fine without the Oscars.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
2: but actually take them seriously, like watch all the movies and, and actually, you know, when Disney puts out a, a film which is not as good as one which, you know, is, is, um, is international, then, then admit it and take it as seriously as you would, you know, the sound editing, uh, uh, category,
3: mm-hmm.
2: frankly, which everyone, you know, uh, I don't, I don't really see the problem here, other than just the commercialization of it.
1: It's so, it's so, just as backwards. It's just, oh, I'm so angry. I don't understand where the bias
2: is because if you look at the last, um, the the last few nominees, right? The only non CTE nominee, uh, the, on, the only non sorry winners, the only non CTE winners were. Spirited Away, Wallace and Gromit. uh, Oh, that's it. The rest have been CG.
0: Just those two.
2: Yeah. This suspicion and Wallace and Gromit were. um, Let's see. Yep. Yep. They were the only um, non-CG winners.
1: The suspicion is that this is is coming from pressure from the other animation studio majors. Like DreamWorks and uh, Universal, and um, mm-hmm. and Warner Brothers, who are like, we're we're out nominations. We're not getting nominations because of these stupid little foreign films. What's going on? And it's like, well, you're going to put out stuff like The Boss Baby, and that's going to get nominated now. I and mean, you should just make a good movie. Well,
2: <laughs> it's not. It, 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 it's, the thing is, like, there's a place for The Boss Baby, right? There's a place for it next to. All the other brilliant um, uh, audience movies that that don't get nominated at the Oscars, like the Fast and the Furious movies.
0: Yeah, um, like you don't see them. You don't see that in the Oscars. Pre- like it, that's what it is. It's, precisely.
2: It's, so it's fun.
0: It's not. It's, it's not pushing art forward. It is just a fun film.
2: So it's safe to say we're a little bit not chuffed to hear yeah. this news.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, as you can obviously hear, we're really, this has left us, I mean, we've already, we've expressed in past episodes that we've had some issues about the way the Oscars, um, or the Academy has handled uh, animated films in the past, and this, you know, this news is kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back, I think, for us.
2: It's really disappointing, um, from uh, you know, behavior from the Academy, because in the past few years, they've really done a lot for um independent animation i think and mm-hmm. and for asking audiences to to look outside of um of us produced cg uh big family movies to what animation can be um i think a lot of that has it, you know you, you can joke about the oscars and you know say the academy up to the old nonsense but the fact is that they are influential Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it's just a shame And I hope that the, I just hope it doesn't last, really Because there, there aren't going to be as many nominees For one
0: Definitely It's it's, it's going it's, it's to be a much smaller category And I think once I they mean, you, Hopefully you... once they realize that They're like, oh, darn it Well, that was a mistake But that, that could be me just being too much of an optimist
2: <laughs> you t- you, Yeah, I, you take the average Oscar voter, right? And they'd be hard-pressed to name more than four animated movies anyway in a given mm-hmm. year so it's just rename the Disney category and you know give up all pretensions
1: <laughs> the thing is though this year is is the year like when perhaps I was thinking oh maybe an independent one could do it because the Hollywood um, mainstream studios thing is so mediocre this year you know with, with like um, Boss Baby and, and Emoji Movie and Captain Underpants and Despicable Me Free and, and Cars it's like there's only like Coco that looks like it's going to be any good <laughs> and it's like I know they're all going to be nominated now <sighs>
2: uh huh well we'll see. we'll see we'll see what happens
0: who knows like I don't know how the um, the academy like when in terms of making these decisions I don't know if like maybe if like people get you know express their Distaste with this decision that maybe they'll rescind it or not, but it's you never know at this in this day and age of what you know people will listen or not listen to. Mm-hmm. I know. I want things for sure. If this if this uh, decision stands, I will no longer have a reason to watch the Oscars. So mm. it'll be just the annies for me.
1: Yeah. Go annies.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, moving along into an, uh To another, uh, story about a film that, uh, foreign film that is actually doing relatively well for itself. I mean, we've discussed it multiple times is, uh, Your Name, uh, came out in the U.S., I think it was this past weekend. And as far as we've looked at the numbers from its opening weekend, it's done pretty good for itself. Um, I believe the numbers after its first weekend were about 600,000 from, uh, just under 300 theaters. And uh, I think it was like I think it made about uh one point six million for that opening overall opening weekend. So not too mm-hmm. bad all things considered. But I don't think it's been it was as, wasn't as big of a boon as it had in other countries that it was released in.
1: No. Um but it isn't as wide as it's been in other countries and mm-hmm. 'cause and it hasn't got like the name instant name recognition of because Funimation released like the Dragon Ball Z movie Resurrection F, and they made like four million in in the same sort of space of time. But you know, mm-hmm. that's a Dragon Ball movie. So yeah,
0: everyone everyone who's even remotely familiar with anime, you know, Japanese animation knows the name Dragon Ball. So they um, had that going for them.
1: I mean, this has had a lot of positive reviews to everything, but it hasn't got anywhere near the yeah. It's the still awful, yeah. Mhm. So it's it's pretty good really.
0: No, yeah, and um how long was the uh limited screening supposed to go till? Chris.
1: Well, I, I think that they yeah, it's on, ongoing, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you check check the website and see if there's still screening somewhere near you, but they it, they it this was just like the opening weekend, so there's still yeah. still chance for it to make more
0: Yeah, we'll see how it that shapes up later on uh later on as we'll keep an eye on the film and see how it does and uh see we'll definitely keep an eye on the film and see how it progresses through the end of its limited run. Um, but speaking of other uh movies or the specifically in the TV realm, uh interesting news broke out, I think it was this past week. Um, Invader Zim might be returning in a uh televi- you know, televised only uh film. Uh, because in, I think it was only a one-season series that I forget when it got because uh, back in the early two thousands, I believe, and it got. I think it was taken off the air, really only just after that first season. But it's had a very, very loyal, diehard fan base. Uh, you know, ever, you know, ever since it uh, went off the air, and at long last, fans can rejoice because it looks like they're going to be bringing back a majority, at least. The main, the main two cast members of, uh, Invaders Invader Zim and Gur and the original creator is going to be coming back to do this, uh, film. Though I think it, it was in a more of a limited capacity. I don't think he was actually directing the film. He was just going to be involved. But yeah, they've, uh, it's been uh, interesting. I think the rumors around, uh, surrounding this story, or this revival for this, uh, film has been very kind of off and on. Like people would inquire about it and, uh, the creator, um, I forget how. I, hopefully, I can pronounce his name, uh, Yonan Vesquez. I believe. Forgive me if I butchered that. Um, has been very kind of like dodging these rumors, so you know, denying, well, pretty much denying them, saying that this is not something that's happening. And then, lo and behold, now it's finally been stated. Uh, it's yeah, it is actually happening. And they even have a very short uh, video accompanying this uh, announcement where we hear the. Voices of both uh, Invader Zim and Ger, uh Basically announcing their comeback And it's if, For people who are from, relatively familiar with the show you, You'll find it very funny It is very much the same vein As the uh, humour as the show And it's uh, it's going to be interesting To see that comeback
1: I was going to say I have no opinion
0: Because <laughs> I, I haven't watched it So I, I don't really have
1: anything to offer I'm afraid Uh I do know that um, our, our lovely social media manager, Dennery, is very excited about it, so I know, yes, I know there's indeed. people out there who are excited about this news, like, with all these Nickelodeon revivals that I don't really <laughs>
0: have much. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that this is, like, after, especially after the announcement of the, um, the uh, Hey Arnold Jungle movie, like, that's, like, they have that, that's already got fans excited, and now they're kind of following that up with this... Oh, it's in it, but lots of multiple t- big TV movies regarding like old fan favorite uh cartoons.
1: There is one I've heard that's coming back that I am excited about, and that's Rocco's Modern Life.
0: Ah, uh, uh, yes.
1: I think that's Good getting. T- I think that's getting a TV movie too. So,
0: who knows? At this at this point, it seems like they've got an ongoing trend, and I think that at least as far as you know. Not having to invest in doing a whole separate series. I think that making a movie, like a short animated movie, would actually, by a televised movie, be, uh, actually really good for Nickelodeon. To kind of bring back a lot of these, uh, long, you know, diehard fan bases and just kind of, you know, say, hey, remember, you know, we, we, we appreciate all your support for those shows. Here, have a, have a movie.
1: And I think they're still doing that Nicktoon crossover movie as well at some point. We oh right. about, like, a year ago or something.
0: <laughs> I remember we discussed that all over a year ago and like, i like yeah, I don't think we
2: remember that. I'm feeling very weird about it.
0: <laughs> I and then, yeah
2: and then, and then from there we I found out that there was like a like live action version of Fairly Odd Parents for some <laughs> reason.
0: That is news to me. Drake what? And
2: Drake and Josh. Oh, I I'm almost certain we spoke about this. <laughs>
0: I must have blocked it from my memory because I have just that that's like wait, what?
2: I'm pretty sure it was live action Fairly Odd Parents.
0: I remember they did a crossover between Fairly Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron, but that was
2: It's called it's called a fairly odd movie. Grow up Timmy Turner. Timmy <laughs> Turner, wow. now a twenty three, must decide whether to grow up or stay in arrested development.
0: Are you kidding me? <laughs>
2: I wish I was.
0: Wow. Um all right.
2: I didn't didn't know hang on. I'm just this is a a pardon listeners.
0: Dan's doing some uh
2: It's a rabbit hole we don't have time to go down
0: investigating.
2: Yeah, get get lost in your own time
3: on that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've planted the seed of curiosity for those of you who are have no idea what this is but want to find it out. Now you know if it is if it's existence, so go. From a strange
2: time called 2011
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was the strangest of times, indeed
2: A country we no longer know (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
2: what's, what's, what's up?
0: Oh, you mean what's next on the, uh, the news (laughs) list? Okay (laughs) All we'll, we'll, we'll kind of let that last one hang there, um but no, like the uh, the last little bit of news that we don't have a whole lot of really like confirmed information yet. At least I don't think so. At least in, uh, in regards to what it's going to be about, or uh, at least in terms of the focus. But um, there is some news going around that uh, production IG will be pr- uh, producing another Ghost in the Shell anime series, or at least a anime related project. And I think what makes uh, this one in particular, interesting, because we've had, there have been various, uh, different, uh, series and adaptations, um, of Ghost in the Shell, and even more, some more recent than others. Uh, but I believe that this one in particular is going to be involving a particular individual who is involved in Standalone Complex, one of the more popular, uh, anime adaptations, uh, Kenji Kamiyama? So, like I said, my early beginning of this episode, my knowledge of the television series or Ghost in the Shell as a whole is a bit on lim- the limited side. So, uh, if Chris, would you care to elaborate?
1: Okay, well, at the moment, we don't know whether this is going to be another movie or a, a uh, TV series or the most recent uh, anime they did, uh, Ghost in the Shell of Rise... Um, was like a prequel reboot thing um, about a younger version of the characters, um, and that was actually released as like f- like four like movies. Like they hmm. were um, they weren't like full length movies. They were they do this sometimes. They release really, they you know they do OAVs and stuff in Japan. Yeah, or, 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 yes. original animation videos. But they sometimes they do them and they give them a run in the cinemas 1st Um mm-hmm. a, a film series, but they're like an hour long rather than two hours. And they did that with Ghost in the Shell. And then they re-edited it into a, a TV series as well. Um, but we don't know if this is going to be a continuation of that continuity because they then did a movie called Ghost in the Shell, the new movie, which was a continuation of Arise. Uh, it's there's yeah we'll get into it but there's lots of different <laughs> Ghost in the Shell continuities. Um,
2: I, yeah, I completely lost it after um, Arise, like trying to keep up with. Actually, I know. I think I began to lose it around Ghost in the Shell. Was it point five? One, one like two point oh. Two 0, There was like a re-release, and they inexplicably, inexplicably. Like, replace a lot of perfectly fine bits of animation <laughs> with, with kind of now very dated CG.
0: I think I might have seen a little bit of that. So we'll, we'll obviously we'll get into um mm. we'll we'll get into that once we get to the main topic. But yeah, that's uh, it's cool to see that we're going to be re- possibly revisiting a. Um, we're still not sure if this which of the two continuities that this uh, particular project is going to be. <laughs>
1: What? <laughs> I think there's there's uh, oh wait hang on, there's the manga, the original manga. There's one, one version okay. of Ghost in the Shell. Then there's the um, Ghost in the Shell movie from 1995, the Maramura Mamoru Oshii movie and its sequel. So that's another continuity. Then there's mm-hmm. Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, which one series, two series, and then a couple of movies in that continuity. So that's the third one. And then there's a rise. So yeah, this. it's
0: a lot of different um, a different different continuities. And like we this said, we, one. Have, we don't know if this is a brand new one or if this is going to be tied to any of the other ones that were just mentioned. But at this point, it is a wait and see. So we will uh, definitely keep an eye on how that story develops. And if any new information comes out, we will definitely let all of our uh, listeners and readers know.
1: One other key detail is it's been co-directed by Shinji Aramaki, uh, who is... Aramaki? Yeah, who is recently best known for doing CG stuff. Uh, he he did um, Captain Space, Harlot, uh, Harlot Space Pirate, or whatever it's called.
2: Oh, Appleseed movies as and well. He did the Appleseed
1: movies, which are from the same creator as um, Ghost in the Shell. And, yeah, so... It's possible. It could be a CG Ghost in the Shell, which would be different, I suppose. Even though, not that keen on those movies he did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Again, it's a wait—very uh, much a wait and see type story. They haven't released, and as far as we're aware, they haven't released any uh, images or videos, kind of you know, to let people know what this is going to look like. But because it's it's still relatively early on and getting that all set up, so we'll like I said, if if we see anything in regards to that, we'll make sure to let everybody know because we are here to talk about Ghost in the Shell, and we all as we we all really enjoy it. So I think that's a good way to uh, segue right into our main topic. You're-
1: Log Q-Q- on, Q-Q- Let's jack in to the the cyber net. <laughs> Let's
0: tap into the net, man. Yeah,
1: nineties style, nineties internet.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's CRT this shit up.
1: <laughs> Dial up.
0: Insert futuristic cyber pun here.
1: Mm. <laughs> Cyberpunk. Aha! Uh-huh.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. I see what you did there.
2: Yeah. I need to lie down after that one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
2: So we're, we're here to talk about a a film that was made in
0: 1995. Yes. And to this day, to this day, ever since like I had the first opportunity to watch this movie, I, this movie, I can't. I still am trying to just wrap my head around the fact that this was this did come out in that in 1995 because it every time I see like shots from it, it looks like something that came out well after. Oh really? Yeah, I was really like my first viewing of seeing Ghost in the Shell, which was um you know Mamoru Oshii's so Ghost in the Shell film uh, was actually believe it or not about a year or two ago. Um. It was just like, I was just having a movie night with my boyfriend and he had, you know, the DVD of this film. And I was like, oh, I've always heard, you know, talk about this, you know, being one of like the quintessential anime films other than Akira. So I figured, you know, why not? I've been meaning to, you know, knock this off my checklist of films, you know, that I've been really wanting to see. So we sat and we watched it. And I was, like I said, uh, from the very first, from the very first scene, I was, you know, I was entranced. I was. It was amazing. Like I, I. It was trying to wrap my brain around the fact. Like like this came out in 1995, right? Really? Are you sure? Hmm. This didn't come out in like the early 2000s or like mid 2000s or anything.
2: Why? Why did you think it did?
0: I don't know. There was just something about the. Maybe it was the effects animation that was used in that that seemed like it was ahead of its time. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that that was, that was what really impressed me. It looked like, it looked, it's definitely had its own unique sense of style that was, you know, obviously, um, you saw a lot in, uh, kind of like the, in the 90s, you know, 80s, 90s of in terms of anime uh, style, but it still had like a life, you know, a life to it all of its own and a uniqueness that just really just kind of just, it, would, it just d- demanded your attention I, and I enjoyed every second of watching it, even if I didn't exactly follow The plot 100% the first viewing.
2: Yeah, I think the plot is hard to follow on any number of viewings. (laughs) (laughs) It's not... It's it's one of those movies which you think it's going to be something and then it actually turns out that it's something quite different. Like, you think um, it's going to be this action sci-fi movie but in fact it plays much more like a sci-fi like novella kind of you're you're, you're thinking about the themes and the ideas more than you are the story I think mm-hmm. Um. Chris you know about how this came about this movie right
1: yeah
2: um, didn't this have something to do with the success of Akira
1: basically basically in the mid 90s Uh, the big, uh, distributor of anime in the UK was Manga Video, as they were then known. Um, and they they'd also moved into the US, they'd bought out a local, um, they'd bought out a local, um, distributor and moved out there and taken over. Um, and basically, it was all built on the success of Akira, um and everyone saw Akira and was blown away I was like oh my god this is like nothing I've ever seen before this is amazing mm. and they all wanted they all wanted to see more like it so they they set up manga video on the basis of that and they started importing other anime for um like um teenage and adult audiences and uh the trouble was that after Akira uh most of these things weren't um theatrical releases but they were like OAV stuff that w- original video stuff that was done on fractions of the budget, um, and there was sort of the people called it like the Akira effect, where everything basically you went from Akira, and that's like, oh, good. This isn't it good, this one, um, and because um, people then watch stuff like Fish of the North Star and stuff, which I know people they're fans of, and it's incredibly cheesy stuff. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, and uh, the, the yeah the effect also led to things like um, what was that?
1: There was a, there was another video that was kind of notorious. Was it called Uritsu Oh, I don't know how you say Uritzu- it. Uritsu yeah. dodgy, dodgy dodgy. Legend of the Overfiend is The one with all the, the English title. Legend of the Overfiend, yeah. yeah that's, that's how that's how you can pronounce it.
2: You know, <laughs> I, I I seem to remember like once you've burnt through Akira, Fist of the North Star, and Ghost of the Shell, you're kind of inevitably left looking at um Legend of the Overfiend and going like all right I've heard this is why this eighteen uh, let's try it um,
1: yeah yeah i luckily it's um its reputation preceded it, so I didn't yeah. actually get that far are you, are you, um,
2: oh it's it's fun it's it's definitely fun
1: so anyway, yeah, so nothing really lived up to Akira, and they wanted to um they wanted the next Akira basically so they thought why don't we put some money in do a co-production with something um, and they went out looking for the, I don't know the exact next bit of the story I don't know if the film was in production and they went oh well, that looks good or whether they um, I don't know what stage they got involved um, they were at a bar and they overheard this <laughs>
3: young
2: little
1: scab- was there <laughs> talking about how he wanted talking to, to Masamunishi about yeah. Yeah, and they were like,
2: what's, what's this? Did you guys make animation? We got loads of money. And they all came skipping out the bar, arm in arm, merrily drunk, <laughs> having just made a deal. <laughs> and the uh, next day, they got to work. I think that's
1: how it happened. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, but yeah, so they put money into it. Um, and that is, they were a co-producer on it. And I do have to wonder if they had any idea what they were getting involved in, because I don't, <laughs> I can't imagine that they were really wanting this philosophical, 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 this deep philosophical,
0: philo- deep, philosophical. <laughs> yeah. I've just heard oh, you say no, it. I
1: still <laughs> can't say it. Philosophical.
0: There you go. You got it.
3: <laughs>
2: there just was definitely g- some. Um. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely some, uh, how do you call it, light trolling going on, uh, on, on, particularly Oshi's part. He was probably, you know, they were probably asking, Manga were probably, you know, uh, calling them up and saying, hey, how's Ghost in the Shell coming on? And they probably, you know, sent them some photo stats of some, you know, some scenes or maybe like a, a video, and they were like, "Oh, well, there's guns and there's action, and it certainly looks like the sci-fi epic that we ordered."
1: Uh, notoriously, basically, they looked at it and said, some tits in it." That's what we want. Can we put a tits in it. And they were really.
0: this 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 the lady who seems to be our main character seems to constantly be taking off her clothes. I think we're you know audiences should like this.
1: <laughs> Allegedly. That allegedly was, uh, Allegedly Manga who, who I should say Are not the same As current manga Entertainment Who are Different stuff And everything um, Allegedly They Yeah They basically Asked for Stuff like that In it But there's um, even
2: Philosophy in the tits It's yeah. like <laughs> It's it's like existential. Oh, alternative
1: title for this week's episode. <laughs> that <laughs> is, no, that's
0: great. No, we're keeping that one. Oh man, I, guess I, 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 you see, like it, it's easy to laugh at that, but then it's just, like, you like you've seen the movie, then you kind of think, I was like, yeah, kind of, kind of.
3: When, screen, kinda... when are on
2: screen, you're thinking about like, I mean, depending on how old you are or you know, if you're. Sexual preference or age, or whatever you're thinking about, you know. Oh, what does it mean to, you know, to, to have those in a on in a body which is essentially completely artificial and a life which may be artificial? Yeah. What's the point in having
1: perfect boobs? <laughs> yeah. All right. I think I think kind of the the art style. Um, the way it's drawn yeah. and everything, it makes it feel to me kind of like it's not really sexualised, so it's, they didn't get right. what they wanted. That's what <laughs> they mo- they wanted, perhaps, but that's not what it is. They want yeah. I um
2: I don't really know. I I I wasn't I wasn't thinking about the boobs this time. I probably was when I was about fifteen when I first watched it. Yeah. I was like, Oh wow, she's got a kit off and she's jumping off the <laughs> building. That's badass.
3: But.
0: well speaking speaking as a lady, I mean even when I watch anim, you know animated shows that do put an emphasis on you know the uh the Tatas but um <laughs> in as in you know in a way normally like you know he's obviously you know that's not what I come to anime for, but you know i can I'll notice it and still put up with it, but it's it's you know as long as there's something else about the character that's you know distracting mm-hmm. or at least you know, catches your enough of your attention that, you know, it's it's not the only thing about them that's interesting. And I was like, in terms of at least Makoto, you know, the uh, the Majors design, the main character, those eyes, man, like, they found a way to make, I mean, that was just like such a, I don't think I've ever seen, like, eyes done that way in an animated film quite yeah. like that.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, and since, as well. Mm-hmm. I think um th- they so basically ghost in the Shell was made by a bunch of like guys in the like, late late twenties and thirties um who had absolutely no business being as talented as they were at that age uh i think um uh Hiroyuki Okura uh did like the character design and he purposefully made um uh, particularly, the major uh, more mature than she appeared in the original comic.
1: Mm, it's very different from there. The yeah, and, right.
2: they, and they and they purposefully all of these animators were just they they were so excited about animation in itself. Um, they really, really, and there they, they, they were basically you, you know they were still students. They were still of that mentality, still trying to learn and still trying to perfect um, their their craft. And they were given the opportunity to, to play with these realistic characters, and they absolutely, like, just went for it. It's some of the best, um, like, most anatomically correct animation I think has ever been in a, in a, um, in a big movie,
3: basically. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, one of the, um, one of the things that, like, even for, uh, people who are, um, aware of anime, like they are, you know, but haven't really, like, gotten, know too much about it. Like, you'll hear a lot of people say, like, who are relatively familiar, it's like, oh, those, that's the animation style where the eyes are just, like, half the size of the head, right? Well, that is very much not the case in this movie. I mean, the eyes are expressive, don't get me wrong. I mean, that's the whole reason why, as far as I'm aware, that's why the eyes are big in the first place. But in this film, it didn't see a need to do that. It was able to find a way to make the characters expressive, you know, through it, you, just as much through the eyes as through the you know the rest of their body language, but you know, not having to make them seem any bigger than they would be, you know, in terms of you know on on the body itself, which I thought was really you know, really striking.
2: Mm. Mm. so So, um, are we gonna like? Is it is it worth doing an introduction to this movie? Because for all intents and purposes, there's not much of a story. It's we're it's more like. We're, we're in a world where, uh, technology has advanced to such a level where people have, um, cyber enhancements
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: in, in, in their bodies and in their minds. Um, even to, to the extent where our main character, um, Kusanagi Makoto, is that her name?
0: Yeah, Makoto Kusanagi, I believe is her full name.
1: Um, aka the major. A okay, mm-hmm. major is um, at the start. We're not
2: too sure who she is or what she is. We know that her body is artificial, but there's a question as to whether her um, her ghost, which is a, a kind of word to describe, I guess, well, the 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 soul of a person, um, their their personhood. As we'd probably. The their mind. humanity,
0: I guess, is like what's if, left if you, of their humanity
2: if you want to get Descartian about it, it's the pilot in the ship
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to the mind to the body um, in in philosophical terms, and it's hard not to get philosophical when you're talking about this movie because essentially it's an art house movie uh that somehow snuck into what looks like it's uh a sci-fi action movie. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, there are those elements in this movie, definitely, but they are not the focus. They are, they are they Mm are the uh, sprinkles on the uh, on the ice cream.
2: Yeah, the very uh, it's more of a meal, I think, than I Oh
0: yeah, meal,
2: The vegan meal of of ponderous
0: (laughs) Of ponderings, as it were.
2: Yeah, um, it so, and and the, the main plot kind of begins when um, a sort of, what would you call them, like a hacker, cyber criminal presence
0: begins yes.
2: to threaten um, the security of cyber networks, uh, which people's minds are, or many people's minds are now linked to
0: yeah yeah it's to the point where this this cyber criminal entity is actually going into the net going and using it to get into people's brains and then maybe putting in memories that were never that weren't there originally making them believe that they're living this completely other life
1: mm-hmm. that's called ghost hacking in the yep in the world of- Oh god it's got such a ama- everything about this movie for me i know what
2: you're saying rachel when you're like it's It's, uh, it looks like it was made about five years ago or something. It, for me, it's completely, uh, in 1995. Mm. (laughs) All of the, all of the graphics and the, the, just the dialogue, the, the vocabulary when it comes to, um, uh, you know, computer language kind of, you know, they, they, they talk about code. And programs and hacking. Oh, and yeah,
0: yeah, that, that 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 whole aspect of it and is definitely it. firmly planted in the 1990s. Like that's, I, I 100% agree with you there. It's, it was, I guess, it was because the I, I say that it was it seemed ahead of its time, and the fact that I don't think I had seen up until I'd seen this film any film, anima- animated film, that had come out of that era that was as detailed in its animation. Mm. As this film has as this film was like it's I think that 's what probably threw me
2: yeah it 's certainly unique it 's got a really purposefully uh realistic style and it's that word is thrown around a lot when it comes to animation um but there's a sort of like in the background artwork there 's a real sense of like photo realism that they 're going for. Mm-hmm. And essentially what is what is doing, which is what animated movies kind of used to be able to do um, in this era, was be a, uh, compared to a live-action effort, a low-budget uh, sci-fi spectacular.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like basically, this movie in live-action in 1995, straight up, wouldn't have happened because it, it, the technology would have been beyond... 1995, and the budget would have been extortionate because it essentially asks for an entire new world to be built. And, um, I mean, that, that said, it's, it's still, uh, watching it last night, it did feel, um, like it had been influenced by the 80s. Uh, particularly, I mean, Blade Runner.
0: Yeah, definitely. Is, that's when no, normally either. when I compare this uh, this film to Strangers, like that's like the equivalent, the best equivalent I can give. It's still very much its own entity, separate from Blade Runner. But it, a lot of in terms of, mm. I guess, the philosophical part of the philosophical debate is was partially inspired by Blade Runner. I think.
2: Oh, hugely, and Blade. I mean, Blade Runner is the most influential sci-fi movie of the last thirty, forty years. Um, I guess. Alien and Star Wars permitting, mm-hmm. uh, so I mean it's kind of hard not to make a sci-fi movie in 1995 for it not to be in some <laughs> way feeling like a Blade Runner. Um, but that said, I think it's it's pretty unique, really, uh, amongst even other movies in the Ghost in the Shell franchise or, or series. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I. I don't know. Do you,
1: first up, do you guys like it? Oh yeah. I oh like it.
0: yeah, I very it. much.
1: I am, I am a fan of. Well, I I love the whole, the whole franchise. Of ghost in Show. Shell. I love all the mm-hmm. concepts, everything like the ghost hacking and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and the, when you get into the TV series, the spider tanks and things like that. And I, I basically yeah. like the whole the whole trappings of the world, and and I also just as an experience the movie I just remember watching it you know as a as an impressionable youth uh, watching it uh, and <laughs> like going yeah. and really not understanding it but just like oh this yeah this is amazing and you know that hasn't really changed um cause I, yeah
2: it felt <laughs> it felt like you were being grown up like yeah. watching it was a decision of like I'm gonna be grown up and watch a grown up movie a grown-up animation where you know there is plenty of blood and boobs and talking about sections and the government and Mm -hmm. you know it's uh, it's kind of aspirational I guess Mm -hmm. in that sense
1: yeah it was was one of these things of not really understanding it but just like but I know it's amazing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it just you know And, um, it's just so, it, it's, it's not, there's nothing else quite like it. Just like the, the fact that they'll just basically be, look, here's some of the city and some music and we're just going to spend some time going through that and (laughs) showing. With some shot
0: with some shots of the major kind of looking uh, around on a boat.
1: And here's some amazing animation and it's all amazing. And it's like, okay, (laughs) What It's great. <laughs> here's, the pr- here's,
0: here's, here's the production process of uh, one of those cyber bodies we were talking about. And it's like, it's this, these very long, I wouldn't say really, like, exhaustingly long, but just very uh, lengthy portions of just not really, it's no much not so much dialogue with just more, you know, scenes going by with more just, with musical accompaniment. And just, like... And each of those scenes like are like kind of giving you know letting telling us a little bit more about the world or um maybe kind of like helping us you know follow along a specific character's story, but it's really you gotta you gotta dig deep with this movie if you're gonna find a lot of that stuff you know like or really like understand like why the movie's taking that opportunity to kind of slow down
1: It's interesting yeah. about about all the discussion surrounding the live action movie and everything um about how japanese the story is and everything it's not, it's say not say is, saying that what i was going to say is well it's set in newport city which is a not uh. a not real place Um masamune Shirao set lots of his things in newport city it's um uh dominion tank police it's dominion tank police is set in newport city but it's not the same it's not the same it's not like the... M- Sh- Shirao Cinematic Universe or anything. Um, but... Um, Oshi based it on Hong Kong. And... They use... Um, Chinese text. Um, specifically as it's supposed to be disorientating to the Japanese audience. Because they can't read it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool effect. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it It does feel... Uh, so, so, so it would feel, for, to use an outdated word, Oriental, to a Japanese audience.
1: Well, yeah, something Chinese. <laughs> I don't know what they call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I'm I'm saying using the old-fashioned word on purpose, yeah. like it's of the of the Orient, mm-hmm. of of um, of a place that's kind of exotic and misunderstood and. I guess that's a really powerful way to talk about the future, as well. I guess, I guess that's the, to an extent, I guess that's the Blade Runner influence, where, where you're dealing with what happens when uh, a culture completely overtakes. You know what you? I mean, the, I guess the only culture really in Ghost in the Shell is industrialization, and. And its effects and, and one of my favorite things about the movie, which I mean not to talk too much about the, the the new live action movie, which I haven't seen and probably won't until it's on Netflix or something um probably next year um, is is that it's it's really um the cameras always very low to the ground, and we're always seeing. The world from the point of view of the people who have to live on the ground and, uh, there's lots of trash everywhere and everything's all scuffed and it looks kind of sad and warm and the film is purposefully making you think about the effects of industrialization and, um, uh, you, you know, what, what happens when Technology overtakes uh, just things which we would probably otherwise take for granted, like having clean streets and and having enough space as well uh, in, in in which to live and uh, feeling comfortable and not suffocated by our surroundings. There's something very suffocating about these towering buildings and uh, you know, kind of taking the 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 Hong Kong aesthetic, you know, uh, where there's just signage everywhere and you can't, you can't escape it. I guess, I guess in an environment like that, the only place to go is inward.
0: Yeah. And that kind of helps, you know, I I guess in a way, you know, keep the audience, I mean, you're, you're learning more about the world, like you said, and it's also kind of like also um, steering you more toward like, okay. This is the kind of world that we're having to deal with, you know. If it's like this, how are our characters reacting to it? What are their thoughts on the world that they live in? And that's like you said, it directs you back inward. Some more of not just so smith- the world in general, but also in the effects that this uh, industrialized technology seems to be having up, but how the characters themselves seem to be living with, adapting to, or in exist- existing in this world. Yeah, I think one of my personal favorite scenes I think out of the film um is, I think it's probably one of the one of the more recognizable scenes is when uh the major is going diving. And uh, I love the conversation like not only just the uh, imagery of her, you know, performing, you know, in, in the doing the dive, but also um the conversation that she has with her uh her good friend uh, Bato after when went on the um when they're on the boat. That's probably one of the more uh I would say, what was that maybe like, the more uh, philosophical discussions that they have between the two of them in terms, of, like, you know, what really defines, like, at, at this point, you know, with the major, she's mostly cybernetic as opposed to, you know, some people who may have just, like, a couple of implants or, like, um, you know, one or two body parts that are mo- all mechanical. She is mostly, like, I think pretty much all, but even maybe her brain is, uh, all cybernetic. So it's at the, you know it's introduced at that point that she's not a hundred percent sure she's still human at all. So she's you know one of the ways she tests that is uh, through the di- you know diving.
2: Yeah, and and purposely it's it's great imagery because right? she does it at sunset, and as she is uh, surfacing after her dive, um, it really it kind of mirrors the first scene. Or it makes you think about, like, amniotic fluid. mm mm-hmm. and, and it's a kind of birth.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of symbolism in that with Ghost in the yeah, Shell. There's
2: there's lots of stuff to read into if you're... And it's, it's that sort of... It's not a talking movie. No. I can't imagine being sat next to someone and <laughs> having a conversation as the film plays out. Yeah, the one, scene, yeah the,
0: one, the one scene that I pointed out is, like, one of the few, like, actually relatively talkative uh, scenes in the movie. Like... Mm. There are lots of points where there's just like I said there's long moments in the movie where there is no dialogue, but yeah, continue can yeah, sorry
2: no you' i think you're i mean you're kind of right i mean there's a lot of talking i think in the movie all round really the climax is mm-hmm. essentially a conversation that's true um, and i I kind of i don't know i've i've having seen the series as well. I kind of feel at home when Aramaki is, uh, you know, sitting at his desk mm. and explaining the plot. Yeah. <laughs> something, something kind of, um, familiar about that to me, because I, because, you know, having seen the series, um, you spend a lot of time in the office just having conversations.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting that. Such a a huge franchise has kind of come out of a, a pretty art house movie. <laughs> it's not. It's. It really. It's not a showstopper.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's. It really. Um. I guess like we were saying, like it's really inviting you to look inward and discover things in it, and to see things which it isn't. uh Which is to to see the things which it's alluding to, rather than things which is explicitly dealing with. Mm -hmm. Like I, with with movies like this, kind of like a they make a point of it, but the plot is impossible to Mm -hmm. follow. If I could if I could tell you what government section six was, or government section five was, and who this ambassador was, and who needed political refuge and all of this stuff I couldn't tell you because I got lost like trying to follow that stuff um but thankfully that's not what the movie hinges on it hinges on you just kind of drinking it in a bit
1: yeah and I think I think the philosophy and everything I think that's that's pure Oshi bringing it to the table I think there's a bit of it in the manga I think but Curious.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah, he he absolutely. I, I think he got into animation after he saw *The Jeté*. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the Chris Marco film, which is, you know, a notoriously um, uh, art house sci fi movie. Really. He, he
1: so he, he basically took like a as successful sci fi franchise and just did what he wanted with it. Really. <laughs>
2: Brilliant!
0: Uh, I
1: mean, not too fair. many people get to do that. Because um, no. the other, the other stuff has got a bit of, you know, it's it's still got ex- exploring the what it means to be human and and uh, things like that. But it's never, it's only in um, Ghost in the Shell and Innocence, that, which is the sequel, that it's really, which is great. I love. It. I haven't watched that in a long time either. I'm I'm
2: tempted. It, it really stands up, and it's really. It's impressive how after so long they managed to make a pretty spiritually close to the uh, 1995 movie. That was like um, is that
1: like 2002, sequel. 2001, something like that?
2: 2002.
1: Yeah.
2: 2002. Mm. Yeah. Um cuz it's just, you know, Batto hanging out at home, going to the shop every now and you again with his with his uh with his um, trusty yeah. um, basset hound.
0: Gotta have the basset yeah. hounds if it's Mamooshi. Right.
2: <laughs> you got to. Um, so yeah, so it's 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 kind of weird that it's such a staple of of um, like a begin like a starter yeah. kit for anime lovers because it's 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 not a uh, it's not a general audiences movie really.
1: I th- I kind of think a lot of people just watch it and sort of go remember the action sequences and the and oh, the diving yeah. and the boat. I and, certainly and, did. I certainly did. And then <laughs> yeah. and then sort of forget all the rest of it and yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, well, I mean, the action scenes are impressive. Yeah, I mean, they, they that, yeah.
2: <laughs> they're amazing and and also like technically going just going back to like the animation side of it they really, really pushed for realism to the extent that... They did. They stopped... Like, they, they weren't watching movies to see how gunfights worked. They went to... The, the, um, the production crew went to Guam to practice firearm training. Holy so mackerel! Could, so they could understand what firearms feel like and they studied, you know, the different effects that bullets have when they hit glass and when they hit stone and uh you know for instance they said uh, the production crew said oh you know usually when you hit stone um you you'd imagine if bullets were firing at uh, at stone there'd be sparks flying but we researched it and it turns out they don't uh they just sort of make these like sort of pockets of you know these indentations and um they really push for realism but the amazing thing, I think is that um, because it is an animated film, uh, you get a level of control that you don't get with live action, so the atmosphere is is um, is particular, and uh, he, you're only ever seeing exactly what Oshi wants you to see. He wants you to see um, in one moment. You know, uh, uh, what life is like in the skyscrapers or in a posh restaurant. And then the next he wants you to see that from another perspective where, you know, everything has been shuttered up and there's a layer of fog or mist over everything. And, um, it, it has that, that level of control that animation allows for.
0: Yeah, being able to go from one spot to the next and kind of give you a for a a wider view or a wider scope of the world that you're now inhabiting while you're watching this movie.
2: Yeah, and 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 there are like images like there's a in 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 that um famous scene that happens almost exactly halfway through. It's kind of like an interval um where uh you're floating along the river. Mhm. There are just loads of... It's almost like a documentary uh, within the movie uh, showing you what what the world is like and uh, that amazing Kenji-Kawaii score. (laughs) There's imagery like, you know, there's a a building under construction that's just bamboo uh, um, uh, scaffolding. And it's a really striking image. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of just constantly offering you little little morsels to chew on and then it just sort of lets you sit there and chew on them and lets you take your time and it takes its time. Uh, but I mean it's actually quite punchy, it's like yeah, it's not minutes. long at all.
1: <laughs> it's when it's under yeah. ninety minutes. It's like eighty two minutes or something. Really? I believe. Yeah.
2: So yeah, so at the same time it also plays like a like like I said like a science fiction short story it's got that kind
1: of 82 um, minutes feel to it (laughs) it's funny because sometimes people say that's a long film (laughs) and I can I can kind of (laughs)
0: compare it to to the movies now uh, no that is not very long
2: I wonder if the average shot length actually is is maybe the longest that there's ever been in animation um Average shot lengths being the across the, across the film, the average amount of time a shot lasts before there is a cut. Um, I remember reading an article about average shot lengths, and even like a movie such as Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, a live action movie, has a on average a longer shot length than a movie like Totoro. So when you look when you look at for instance like Totoro next to this is an aside like I don't know um, but when you look at Totoro next to Raiders of the Lost Ark on the face of it you probably think well Raiders of the Lost Ark is an action movie so the average shot length is probably uh, um, shorter than that of say Totoro which is like a kind of gently paced family movie. But no, even in it's, it's it's something about animation lends itself to um, quicker shots. I think hmm. um, Oshi almost completely um, resists that urge. Um, there's the, in fact there is a shot which I'm pretty sure is just one drawing, and it's about thirty seconds long, where the puppet master is talking um, using that that body from that factory that we don't hear very much about.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think um, I know the scene you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's really not animation as you know it. And maybe that's why, uh, Chris, we were talking about, like, why is this persisted? Maybe that's why. Because when it came out, you know, the, the animated movies that were coming out in 1995... In, in America and, and the UK, with things like Return of F- and Page Master <laughs> and The Lion yeah. King, and then you get Ghost in the Shell, which is unlike anything. Mm-hmm. To such a, to such an extent, um, you're probably not going to forget it.
1: No. Though it's still not quite like much else you've seen, anyway. <laughs> so
2: you that's, yeah, it. that's true.
0: That's one of think? its its. Primary trademarks is the fact that it is unlike anything you've ever seen.
2: That was kind of this nice surprise about it, and I think that's probably why Ghost in the Shell as a franchise has lasted because it it's constantly reinventing itself. This movie is not too is not too much like Innocence, and there's nothing like the TV series TV series, uh, which in turn I think is not very much like a Rise either. All the all the later um, iterations, all of which aren't very much like the manga, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of weird to have all these different incarnations of it. Um, I, one thing I I I do remember, as well as being just confused and and blown away as, when I was watching it uh, when I was younger. The other the other thing is I did have was being creeped out, and I did find the um I did find the puppet master to be very unsettling
0: <laughs> mm. well yeah, just the whole concept behind what he's doing is is very unsettling the fact that he's just going into these you know going into people just going doing their everyday lives and going and basically hacking their brains and putting in information that never really happened or never really existed there to begin with just I, I I'm, see that's the part where I'm always trying trying to remember Like, well, was he doing this for a reason or was this just a way to figure himself out because it seemed like he was just as unsure of himself as say uh, the Major is in terms of whether or not she is human or machine
2: well, I don't really have an answer like a definitive one but it, it's kind of <laughs> weirdly enough watching it last night the other movie that I was thinking about the most Your was, circuit? um, ironically no. not Chris. Short Circuit, oh it my god, was, that's
0: a blast from the past. It,
2: it was, um, it was ironically a Scarlett Johansson movie, Huh. Oh, right. Hmm. Which kind of deals with what happens when an artificial intelligence, uh, finds itself on a level of intelligence and knowledge and capacity for both that is beyond a human capacity and longs for something else um, and I guess the puppet master is just a confused like really just like a confused child like it's this thing that's been willed into existence and it doesn't understand what it is because it doesn't have a body and it doesn't have any external, really, any external experiences of of the world mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of imitating humanity but it's also not humanity and there's no place for it other than uh, you know, to live on a plane slightly above that of human existence and when you consider it in those terms, it's probably not surprising that it sees Humanity is its plaything, the same way that you know we do ants. Uh, I, I think I think that's a line from The Matrix, actually.
0: Which, ironically enough, because I do I do know this about the uh, Ghost in the Shell that I think the this film was actually was a heavy inspiration for The Matrix.
2: Oh yeah, it's why we don't need a Ghost in the Shell movie this year because it's going to look outdated next to The Matrix.
1: And it does. It's it's, it's yeah. That's the ironic thing. It's always been. Well, if they ever do a Ghost in the Shell movie, people are just going to go, it's a rip off of the Matrix, and it's like, oh. it's like
0: no, the other one came first. Yeah. It's just it was animated. Mm. People forget this.
2: I'm pretty sure, actually, even down to the um, to the to the effect at the end of Ghost in the Shell, where um, the oh my god, we have to get onto the spider tank, where the spider tank is shooting the um, oh yes, the stone walls, the way that they become pocked with bullets is a lot like the um the uh, the hallway heist in the mm-hmm.
1: matrix.
0: Right. Oh gosh.
1: Yeah they were just it just it just was the show apparently so yeah. Oh
2: def- <laughs> it absolutely shows. yeah, it it shows. I um, mean the
0: whole I mean look at the intro where you're looking at the creation of uh the cyber body and the um in the credits where you, where you're getting the names of the people who worked on the film, and it's in that kind of, like, counting down, like, green text that disappears to reveal the name. Like, that's literally, like, almost identical to the, uh... where the, the effects that they had in the intro for Ghost... not for Ghost in the Shell, and for The Matrix, too. It's infamous yeah. kind of, like, green code.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's completely ripped off. It's, it's um... I mean, ripped off homage, whatever it doesn't really matter but I think both kind of persist kind of comfortably enough uh, in the modern day
1: Ah, right. uh, it's... Spider-Tank. We're going to talk about Spider-Tank. Yeah, <laughs>
0: oh, Spider-Tank. You're going
1: to do that. Well,
2: okay, we've got to do it. Can we do it in the light of what an amazing achievement for animation it is. Um the the movie, sorry, he's credited as the weapon designer on the movie, which is as I understand it kind of a polite way of saying that he did a lot of animation on the movie and he also designed the weapons. Um, a guy called Mitsuo Iso, who is, I mean, for my money, like one of the best animators currently working today. I think he's kind of working. He's, he's working and teaching at the moment. And, um, he is responsible for pretty, most of the finale scene where, uh, the Major faces off against um who she thinks is the puppet master, but turns out to be the puppet master in the body of a sort of uh, uh, spider tank and um apparently when uh Iso was animating this he he ca- legend has it that he captured a spider and took it to his desk. And lots of um, he was in like the floor above a few other people, and lots of banging and crashing was heard. <laughs> as he was sort of trying to reenact the crazy, erratic movement of the spider that he captured and figure out how that would translate to um, a mechanical spider and I don't know for my money, it paid off because it moves. In, in in a really creepily erratic fashion uh, and the whole scene is just oh, we've called it an art movie but it's amazing action that scene
0: yeah like whatever action shots when they were first like we were discussing before when they were when, they, when this movie was first being filmed, like, hey, how's that, uh, you know, up to par with the Kira, uh, you know, film going? It's like, oh, here's some of the finished animation stuff. Oh, <laughs> this looks like a great action movie. Look at this. Like, th- this seems like one of those scenes like they would they would have sent over to like Heidel. Like, oh, this is really more of a philosophical movie, yeah. but this, yeah, this was a really intense, really well animated uh, action scene. Not just you know, like you said, um, with the characters involved, but also this really. Unique designed weapon, which, like you said, moves very erratically, and to the point where it's like you don't know which way it's going to go, or if it's going to catch onto where the major is, or if it's like going to take her out. But it's, it's very threatening.
2: Yeah, it's really threatening, and it's kind of uh, thematically relevant that what she faces off against is something which is decidedly not human mm-hmm. in its movements and its supposed uh you know thought processes and certainly its ability
3: mm-hmm.
2: is beyond that it's, it's like a it's a weapon it's not it's not anything which um which human would associate themselves with
3: mm-hmm. really
2: uh so you know it's it's philosophically and thematically like in line with the rest of the movie. And, I mean, even more so when you consider that the the climax of this scene is a conversation.
0: Yeah, we go from a big, giant action sequence, you know, people are shot, you know, limbs are torn off, and it's, you know, mass carnage, and then, you know, mass robotic carnage, and then at the end of it all, it just, the the real, like, resolution to the situation is just... You needed to talk to it. You needed to talk to the Puppet Master. (laughs) He just wanted someone to chat with. He just wanted a word. It's like, I've been trying to talk to you guys this entire movie. (laughs) Now we finally get a chance to actually speak to one another. And I am like, I'm not that bad. Really. You just have to get to know me.
2: But but there's still... um The film is playing on another level at that point where usually in an action movie when your hero, you know, seems to have her limbs torn and, you know, uh, rendered like a a floppy corpse, essentially, you know, a limbless corpse on the ground, you're you're feeling a different way about that hero. You're feeling... Oh no, they're dead. They're gone forever. But in this movie, there's a strange feeling of, you know, does this matter to her? Do, is this a? What, what, what I was watching, no, it's like it she's
0: like, even with as damaged as you now as you know with all the, you know, injuries she's sustained. No, she's still going. It's like, just hook me up to just hook me up to the puppet master. We need to like, talk. Just bung me
2: in the toaster for a bit, or. Do, <laughs> when, when I was watching it last night the only thing I could think of was it's going to be so expensive to get rebuilt <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and section 9 are they going to pay for that?
0: I don't think so is this an occupational hazard? does this count as does this, does this count as medical? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah is this covered That's, under her insurance?
2: exactly It's is like
0: it? these are important questions it's of, sort of this movie this
2: inward thinking that the movie uh Makes you makes you do, leads you, leads you
1: to think these things. <laughs> uh, but but there's, a, uh, sorry, Chris. But one of the cool things about the story about the film is the lack of backstory. There's no yes. no need yeah. to explain uh, it w- Major's backstory or whatever, which is, I think, something I realised early on with the live action movie. I was like, oh, they're going to have to, they're going to try and explain. Oh, what's the story behind the major? Oh, what's the story? And like, no, that's not the point. We don't, don't need don't
0: one. It.
1: That's not the
2: point. <laughs> I, well, I I think to, to 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 be fair to that movie, I don't I don't know why you would, but to be fair to it, I th- I think a lot of movies have a problem with thinking that backstory is inherently interesting. Uh, it, it's not. It's no. It is not, and and it's kind of. It, kind of like the best horror movies as well think of something like Blair Witch the original Blair Witch Project the fact that there's so little uh of substance and 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 information in that movie or or stuff that is explained is what keeps you going back and what keeps it alive the mystery of what happened where did these people go is is um is kind of Retained in in Ghosts and the Shell in the in its ending, where uh, Makoto uh, merges with the Puppet Master, and you're left wondering like what sort of things are they talking about? What what what's their existence like? If if they're if if the supposed humanoid uh, like cyborg has 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 merged with what? Seems to be an entirely artificial intelligence. What's born of that? And it's a, it's, it's, that, that for me was the part that kind of also felt like a, a science fiction novella. It's the sort of thing where, you know, when you finish reading science fiction stories, you're left chewing on something.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. And then
2: you walk around the rest of the day thinking, what really is that? It's
0: like, what, what, what does that mean? What does, what do I think of that concept?
2: And and not to well, not to spoil the movie if you haven't seen it yet. But this that ending is really surprisingly similar to um, that of her, the uh, Spike Johns
1: movie. Hmm, I don't really remember how that ended. So. <laughs> it
2: ended with uh, spoilers. A... Spoilers.
1: Spoilers for her from about five years her. ago.
2: Um, <laughs> it ended with an artificial intelligence. Ascending to a higher plane of uh, of of experience and understanding. Uh, beyond that, of of her of her human uh, lover. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, and that's kind of how that's kind of where this movie leaves us. It leaves us with a question of, you know, what what, what, what is Makoto now? Is she is she human?
1: Or is she dancer?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I actually got that. Well <laughs> Took me a minute, but I got it.
2: And uh and kind of in in in, in, in quite a, in, in quite an on the nose um move, she's transplanted into the body of um of of a young of a young girl. So it's kind of
0: yeah, that was appropriate.
2: Well, it's it's kind of asking you the question, um, you know, to, to what extent is she innocent? To what extent is she um, getting, like, a childhood that she never got? Sort of. That's kind of how I read it, at least.
0: I read it as, like, it's more of a new beginning for both her and the Puppet Master as this new entity that, whatever they are now, it's a right. way for them to both kind of have something that the other had, you know, and experiencing it both together in a way. And just like, okay, well, now we're this, so what's next?
2: Yeah, yeah. And it kind of... It it, it ought to be alarming that the protagonist is essentially merged with, uh, with that of the... the so the the, the the protagonist and the villain have sort of merged. But that's kind of where the film leaves it. Is is this a good thing or is this a bad thing?
0: Yeah, then it never really makes it completely obvious. Like, okay, the puppet master has done some pretty bad things, but is it truly evil? Like, is it something that, you know... Like, like, is it just as, you know, like you said, is it it's just like a lost child that just was looking for its place in the world? Just kind of like the major is looking for her place in the world because she doesn't feel she, like she belongs in, any, in it anymore.
2: Yeah. And and also, I guess, I, I, I certainly thought, like, if something, would something of a higher intelligence have pity for humankind?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yeah, it's, uh, it's a dark little movie, really.
0: Yeah, it, It's it's... A, a sign of, like you said, it's an art house film. It, it really makes you, like, it, it takes you into this world and it really makes you think so that by the time the credits are rolling, you're kind of still contemplating what it was trying to say to the point that you're going to come to a multitude of different conclusions as to what certain scenes or certain actions in the film, what it truly meant for, mm-hmm. a, you know, a character or what it meant for the story. And, you know, you're, you're going to, like, like we're doing right now, we're kind of like, you know, going through different points of the film that, you know, stick out to us the most Trying to like kind of piece it together, and it's just it's none of it's really the right answer. I mean, no one's going to know that other than like you know whatever the filmmakers you know what they thought when they were making this. But still, it's that's part of the fun of films like this is that you're able to like break it down that you know it's everyone's going to have different interpretations of it, and that's what makes it so fun.
2: Mm, And those, I think, those sorts of films last. I think is it? I, I I might be reacting in a. I might just be playing wrong about this, but it seems like this movie also has something of a, um, I don't know what you'd call it, the Star Trek effect, where science fiction presents uh, a vision of the future, and then because our idea of how the future ought to be based on science fiction is, we begin to play that out. So... Uh, kind of basically how Star Trek did it with communicators and, um, you know, what we now call smartphones. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. They're not a million miles apart. And it seems like movies like Ghost in the Shell uh, present an image of the future in a way that we can grasp and therefore is probably going to be the most likely future for us when it comes to merging uh, technology and
0: and biology yeah kind of like uh, science fiction uh, fortune telling i would guess would you say or like basically giving an idea like okay this is this is a possibility for us this is if you know a a likelihood that if we continue to pursue technology the way we have been, something like this could very well be possible. That's, that's you know, in both the positive and negative uh, sense.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: No, yeah, it's definitely, it definitely strikes me as one of those movies that's like it's, it the, the world it's presenting, you know, in terms of technology is not 100% out of the question. Because, I mean, considering how humanity and technology has you know evolved thus far especially like you said with the you know the fact that we now have we can communicate and see the person who we're talking with their faces over like a great you know distance like almost like on the other side of the world Mm. and you know that's you know like it's like you said the star trek communicators or the um like the jetson video phones like you know that's something that was once considered very much science fiction, but now it's been made reality. So it's, it, now it's like, okay, well, how is technology going to push it from here? And will we see something like the, uh, the cybernetic bodies that we see or enhancements that we see in mm-hmm. Ghost in the Shell somewhere down the line?
3: Mm. Yeah.
2: I think, I, guess- we, I
0: think we need to reach that first before we have to start having the, um, a lot of the, the, you know, coming back to those philosophical, uh, ideas and really exploring I, I them in our own.
2: Ever, I don't think it's ever too early to start having those thoughts. That's fair. Because uh, then you can prevent, uh, you know, the the <laughs> the Jurassic Park, you know, yeah. could and should um, arguments from happening. And Life you, finds you... a
0: way, and all that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: it's um, it's kind of it's kind of unsettling stuff to talk about, but
0: it I, is. I, but it's still I, important. I guess in that
2: sense, yeah. But I guess in that sense, it kind of hasn't aged. It's kind of presenting a future which we haven't quite reached yet. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Just within reach, but not quite yet. I think it's, it's at least with the way yeah. that the the world that they presented to us, like. A, one of the, like, remember we were talking earlier about one of those, the scenes where you we were seeing a lot of the different, like, the, the grunginess of this, like, futuristic world. Um, you know, it's, like, certain aspects, like, we relate to imagery like that because, you know, there are those, you know, despite all the enhancements that we still have today, there is still a lot of areas of, like, different cities, like, really high-tech cities that are still very grungy and, you know, not as pristine. Well,
2: it's, 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 a, it's a direct result, I think. Mm-hmm. You can, um, uh you you can 't um you know i i've 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 been to cities in Asia where there are slums right like literally right round the corner from a giant skyscraper with um designer boutiques on the on on the ground floor mm-hmm. uh it's it, 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 it's happening so the movie is commenting on the world that we're living in, but I think it's 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 kind of it's kind of like a cautionary tale, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. I mean, there, there. I mean, th- thankfully, there are cheerier um, versions of this future. Standalone complex mm-hmm. is kind of the world that you want to live in—the mm-hmm. one where you've got all the fun of the fair and not not too much of the of the the slummy hell. Where uh, the spider tanks are adorable. The spider <laughs> tanks are adorable and your deceased son might might come back and you know, have some... Now that's hell. weird. It's weird, but I, that, whenever, whenever I think of standalone complex, that's the story which stands out for me the most. Do you remember that episode, Chris?
1: Now you say it, yes, but I had forgotten about it. I... I haven't watched it in a while. Ah, uh, it's it's a
2: great series, I think. I mean, kind of moving away from the
1: movie now. I I I think I prefer the series to the oh, movie. It is my it is my favorite I I love Ghost in the Shell as a whole the franchise. Yeah. yeah. And I do love the movie, but my favorite incarnation is Standalone Complex.
2: I, All right. I think that's actually quite a popular opinion. Quite a common opinion.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, it, it is good. Interta- it's more entertaining. Oh yeah <laughs> so- it. it's
2: more, it's more entertaining and you also get like you get just as much bang for your buck when it comes to uh thoughtful
1: philosophical mm-hmm. stories and so, it's yeah. got an amazing soundtrack by Yoko Kano
0: yes, it does uh, that's actually like I have yet to really fully seen see standalone complex I know that 's after seeing this movie that's something I very much want to do, but um I actually heard the soundtrack long before I actually uh I've I, you know, had the chance to see uh, Standalone Complex because I love Yoko Kano's work mm-hmm. so I actually heard the soundtrack well before you know seeing the show and uh, just by listening to the soundtrack I'm just like oh man this sounds great I want to go, I need to go see this as soon as possible I need to stop putting it off
2: It's a really satisfying series and it's and it's really um, I, I think pretty smart in how it um I remember it was structured it had stand alone stories and yeah. complex episodes. Yes. Which is Interesting which is, which is an idea which I think you might start to see come around as more and more um like T V shows are released uh like in batches like for binge watching. Um, I think you might start to see that I wouldn't be surprised if you started to see that trend come back where um a show's format can withstand standalone stories and serialized ones as well.
0: Oh, right.
2: I, get, I guess the only thing I can think of that actually does something similar is Doctor Who.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the series is, is amazingly satisfying watching. I guess it... The, the, I guess, obviously, because it's a TV show, it doesn't quite have the production values of of the um, of the movie, but it does a it damn good, good job, it and it does look good. good. I mean, for it, it's it's top end TV production.
1: Mhm. It's production I G. They're just yeah. They are a quality operation. Um, I mean, arise is very good looking as well. Uh, mm. It's not the best incarnation. <laughs> <laughs> it's. In I I
2: miss a rise. I I don't know why it didn't appeal to me because. Some of the original animators you watched on the first movie were back on that.
1: A lot of people just didn't like it based on the designs and stuff, like a a younger major and things like that. And Everyone's younger, and it's like... It starts off before she's part of Section 9. It's like a a reboot. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Oh, that's weird. Well, part of the appeal with with the major is the fact that she is, you know, compared certainly to a lot of other anime characters, a mature woman. Someone who... Who is, um yeah, I guess <laughs> you know, de- dealing with what mature people deal with, which is like, who am I, and what does that mean to, uh, compared with uh, how I live, and all these philosophical questions, which I guess are much better suited to maturer mm-hmm. characters.
1: I mean, it, it's still entertaining, and actually, it's got more sort of more of a sort of detective um, show. Feel to it really.
2: That's cool. Oh, you mean a rise? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess some parts of Sandalone Complex do. It's, mm-hmm. for it's, it's basically a police procedural. Yeah. But sci
1: fi, kinda. Well, they sort of ramp up that in the rise. Um, oh, it's so good. And I forgot, like, it has the, the Tachikoma
0: yeah. shorts
2: and Tachikoma all, all the way peppered through it.
1: Touchy
0: I'm trying to think, what is they're
1: that? The spider, they're they're, spider that's what the that's what the, the, the spiders spider. are
0: called. Okay. I just I did not know this.
1: But they have AI. And they, and they're adorable. Yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm I'm in, I'm really curious now, like even more so than I already was. Like, okay, how can you make that spider tank cute? How oh, they how?
2: they they have a um they have a short uh tachikoma days attached to the end of most episodes where the Tachikoma um kind of explain the philosophical themes that are running through episodes. Really? Yeah, they kind of play them out in miniature. Huh. It's 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 a it's a really kick ass T V show. Which is kind of why I'm so pumped for its kind of return. Mhm.
0: I will have to I, I hopefully before that comes out I will have the opportunity to s- uh, sit down and watch Standalone Complex so then I can get back to you guys about my reaction to it because it's
3: oh yeah
2: it's definitely a re rewatch for me
1: I, need, <laughs> I I still have I haven't I've never actually finished up season second gig Chris I know it's crazy <laughs> me too yeah no you oh. <laughs> yeah me too yeah I uh, was- for some reason
2: Individual 11 didn't have quite the hook as Laughing Man for me
1: no, yeah, I, those often, are great names, by the way. Yeah, they're the um, stories of that, and they're also the names of. There's like movie edits of both of them as well. Those storylines, Laughing Man oh, and, and Individual oh, really? Heaven. Yeah.
2: Oh, I haven't checked those
1: out. And there is also a standalone complex movie, as well. Hmm. There's too much ghost in the shell, guys.
0: Yeah. There is. Um, I mean, it's it's considering how like. It, where where would you say a Ghost in the Shell officially begins? Like in terms of like this was the, obviously like one of the first like animated features in regards to the material. But that, was it it started as a manga or a, like yeah. a book first? It, it begins
2: in, in in the 1600s when <laughs> Descartes started musing <laughs> on the existential nature of existence.
0: Or it
1: started in I the think. 80s with the manga.
0: All right, that's fair. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, obviously the manga existed first, but I think with like, this movie, like, I don't think that if this movie hadn't existed, it probably wouldn't have gotten like the, like the, the boon from like of popularity that it would, Not that yet. would have result, wouldn't have resulted in the, these follow-up series. But it's, it's cool. It's good when something, you know, when popularity has, you know, given to something, gives it an opportunity to grow even further. And it has grown. And as it has given it a lot of staying power over the years And that's, you know, for more gener- generations to get into it And learn from its, you know, its story and its messages Or read into it the, and make their own interpretations of it So that's really, really fortunate to have happened to this series It was a PlayStation game as well I don't
1: know if it was PlayStation 2 or... It was PlayStation oh, The original PlayStation
0: Wait it a minute Spider-Tank um, I... Do I, I assume, vaguely remember, I playing remember
2: playing that? that. I I I remember also there was a um there was an opening that was really nicely animated.
3: Mm-hmm. Is that, <sighs> is that right? Yes.
0: I feel like I've I right. feel like I might have played this game, but I'm also afraid I might be getting it confused with something else that was relatively inspired by Ghost in the Shell.
2: Oh, are you thinking by any chance are you thinking of that game that when when you got a PS two and you headed to uh Game or electronic boutique or wherever you get your games from. Um, there was like one game that was pre-owned, and for some reason there <sighs> were like thirty copies of it, and it was called Oni. Oh, that's the
0: one. That's I the one I'm getting that. confused with.
2: I thought, yeah, I thought you might be because I think I think I bought that because it looked a little bit like what I thought Ghost in the Shell was. <laughs> And it was like the, the game that game.
0: tricked you into thinking it was Ghost in the Shell, and it was. The wasn't. game that
2: tricked you into thinking like it was half decent. <laughs> Disappointing <laughs> game.
0: No, that, yeah, believe it. me, I have seen. I myself, and mostly my brother, because he was the one who was really big into uh, Ghost in the Shell when it was out, and um, he he got this for the exact reason I was watching him, and he was telling me all about it, and like, I don't think this is Ghost in the Shell. He's like, <laughs> Oh
2: my god, what a blast from the past. But I think it was the only game that. I, like when I went to uh to buy a game after having actually finally gotten a PS2 it was the only one I could afford because <laughs> it was about eight quid like pre-owned
0: yeah it was a relatively inexpensive yeah. game to rent but the, the reason for that is the fact that it was very poorly designed but at the very least it had a certain aesthetic to it that was reminding was reminiscent of something that was much better
2: yeah I <laughs> okay.
0: Anyways, I think that tangent is probably a good way, uh, good way to leave off the discussion on Ghost of the Show. Unless there's anything else or final thoughts you guys want to get out before we wrap up today's episode.
1: Nope, I think that's a nope. good nope. time to log off the topic.
0: Yep, <laughs> Time to, time to log off the net. <laughs> We're gonna.
1: We Were
2: to say, <laughs> <laughs> Jack. <laughs> we, we've jacked in.
0: I thought yeah, we said that at the, the beginning price, uh, when we were starting the well, conversation. Now we're logging like, off.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you. I know yeah. what you're say. We're,
0: we're we're logging off the net, and we're gonna be. We're just gonna take a stroll over to the water cooler, and maybe we'll just have a. We'll wrap up today's episode with a few things that we've uh, done this week. Um, I guess coming off that uh, very, you know, uh, coming off Ghost in the Shell, the uh, some, what I've had the ch- chance to um not only play, but finish in terms of the video game world that has roughly similar themes to, uh, Ghost in the Shell in the terms of, you know, robots or AI, um, mimicking humanity would be, uh, a little game called Near Automata that came out earlier, I think it was just this, um, I think it of March at the end of February. Uh, I've played the game so many times at this point I've kind of lost track of when it came out because, Part of the, the thing with this game is that it's um, the story is set. You're playing a android that's modeled, you know, that's been created as a model of humanity, which has fled to the moon because of an alien invasion. Um, they set their own machines to try and fight the humanity's uh, androids, and basically Earth has become a battleground. And you're playing as one of these androids and her partner. And as you, you know, explore this conflict and seeing, you know, basically, you know, getting into the underbelly of, like, okay, why, what's really going on? This is what we're told is going on. What is really going on? And, um, the only other thing I can say about the plot is that it's a Yoko Taro game and it's very, very weird as a result. Like, I don't know if you're familiar familiar with with Yoko Taro or, um, the video games he's made, but they can get really strange.
2: Hmm. I'm not familiar (laughs) with his games, actually.
0: Uh, I think they're they're definitely worth looking into. I mean, the only ones I've had experience with as of right now are the Nier games I have, know that the Dragon guard games came before.
2: Oh hang on is your guitar is he the guy who wears like the sort of frank side button
0: yeah he he's he always comes into like press conferences or you know ever like public appearance. He always has something over his face. He never will show his face okay. Yeah, most... The, the mask he you normally see him wearing nowadays is he's wearing a, a mask that's shaped after uh, one of the faces of a character... One of the characters from the Nier games. Uh, by the name of Emil. And it's like this really, like... Kind of like skeleton, almost skeleton-looking face. But, um... I, it's, it's... As far as, um... In regards to Nier, since those are the only two uh, Tar games that I've ever experienced playing... Um, one of the things we were really excited about when, uh, the sequel was announced was the fact that Nier, the original Nier had a pretty darn good story, but it, the game itself, um, I had to think it was a relatively low budget, so the gameplay wasn't really all that inventive, or at least, you know, it didn't really do anything different other than the traditional hack and slash, but one of the things that, you know, Nier Automata was a step away from, or a big chance for, uh, um... Yokotaro to really kind of get right was the fact that they had uh, Platinum Games come in and do the actual like gameplay design for the um, for Nier Automata, which really gave it a lot of variety. Like you can go from one point from running and hacking and slashing robots to all of a sudden you're running through the same area, but the the camera has moved to the side to the side. So you're all of a sudden you're in a, like a side scrolling area, and then you can go from that to a top down. Uh, shooter where you're flying your mobile flight unit, and it just keeps kind of going back and forth to a multiple, uh, different, like, gameplay style, so it's always varied and keeps you guessing as to what it's going to switch to next, depending on the situation. But it, it's, it's, there's a lot of cre- creativity and not just the storytelling and the, um, the animation's pretty good, too. There's a lot of, uh, it's, it's a dystopian future, you know, where you're seeing, Earth as it was, you know, after this, these alien robots came down and basically tore everything up. But uh, it's just, it's... I'm trying to figure out where to like, go from there. It's like I had a thought and then it just went out of my head because this is what happens when I rant. <laughs> it keeps you guessing. I guess that's the one of the things. Like Not just the visually, it keeps you guessing in the storytelling sense. It also keeps you guessing in... Just in terms of how you play the game, it's like it's. I think that's probably the most like identifying factor in a Yokotaro game. You never know what the hell's going to happen, and that's part of the reason why you play is to just kind of see how you know, in one way or another, that the game is going to throw you off your guard. I mean, I remember my first experience with the first near like the game literally opens up with this, a very angry woman screaming at one of the uh, characters which you have yet to meet. Like, in a very, like, angry... Like, you know, she's swearing every other word. Like, she's swearing like a sailor. And that's literally, like, you're... And you're not... There aren't any visuals set to this. It's just a blank screen. And, like, the context of the situation, you'd have no idea or understand. But this is what you're... This is your introduction to the story and the characters. It's like, um... What the heck did I just get into? (laughs) But it was... I I think the creativity that was... I uh, found in... Near Automata was definitely worth exploring. So, if anyone's kind of like, you know, feel like certain like gameplay elements have gotten really stale or just need like a breath of fresh air or a change of pace, get Near Automata. It's, it's, it's gonna be a fun time. If you're, you're gonna question a lot of things, like I said, like you're, you're not gonna understand entirely what's going on, much like Ghost in the Shell. But okay. it's, it's definitely worth exploring and worth playing if you have a PlayStation 4. Or I think it might be able to play on the PC too, but that's the system that I got it for, and that was that was basically what I was able to do this past week. So, uh, who who would like to go next?
1: I, I could go. All right. Uh, I'll try Sorry. Keep, I'll, I'll try and keep it brief. Um, I I did have a rewatch of. My well, I watched for the second time. First time on Blu-ray, uh, Moana this past week. Um, yeah, hey. oh, I love this movie, as you already <laughs> know. It's so pretty, and I love the characters and the music. And it's also, uh, it's such a ah, makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I have to say about that. Um, and I also watched a film called Sold Station, uh, which is an interesting film because. It is uh, a companion piece to a live-action movie uh, called Train to Busan, uh, mm. which is a South Korean zombie movie that came out last year. Um, and it's said,
2: Oh, yeah. I want to watch that very much.
1: And I had a day last week when I watched Train to Busan and I watched um, Soul Station within within the same day. So, and the interesting thing is that they are both directed by the same guy. Um, he is actually better known. He's spent most of his career in animation um, and trained Busan. was a rare live-action movie for him. And it's...
2: Is it the guy who did My Life as a Pig?
1: Yes. Ah... Sang Ho Yen uh... he is the writer direct who did, who did Train to Busan and Seoul Station um... and they are both stories that happen during a zombie apocalypse um... and Train to Busan as you may guess from the title takes place mainly on a train from Seoul to Busan uh... which is a name that uh... you may have heard recently um... 'Cause it was that where that guy was when he was being interviewed and his his kids burst in on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He was in Busan. Um that's no nothing to do with anything. But um <laughs> it Train to Busan it's a really exciting movie and it's one of the best zombie movies I've seen in years and it's got Oh wow. It's got really exciting sequences that kind of they they are do kind of do the thing that um, uh, World was he tried to do and didn't do very well um, <laughs> with the sort of swarms of zombies but they do it on, on a train and they do it really effectively and it's got some nice little creepy moments as well like when they go inside a tunnel and then they realise that, um, that the zombies can't hear them or see them so when it goes dark they have to sneak past them it's really cool um, oh wow well, uh, Soul Station is um, set um, mainly in the, around the train station in Seoul, um, and also features zombies, um, but it is um, it's quite different, because uh, it's, it's sort of street level, and it's dealing with characters, so it w- one of the characters is like a teenage runaway, um, and there's a pimp, and there's there's homeless people and things like that as characters so it's really um quite different and it's it doesn't look like anime um it's it's kind of i think mm. it's done with um like cell shaded sort of 3d look um but they they look it looks more like 2d apart from when you see it move and then you sort of see that unmistakable look of that cg look that kind of some people can't get over it and it it kind of uh, looks a bit jerky in places but it looks pretty good for the most part I thought and the zombies um that actually worked for the zombies the sort of jerkiness of the animation um and yeah it's, it's a proper adult animation um and it's got some interesting um like commentary I think social commentary about Korean society and stuff that you don't Really, necessarily understand because you're not Korean, but it's like oh, I can see he's trying to say something, and uh, there are zombies, and there's some, there's like a cool central character, and there's a really awesome ending, and uh, it's just interesting to what, like watch two films done by the same bloke, but so one's which animated. Which one would and
3: one you recommend watching first?
1: Uh, I don't know. It's it's weird weird to answer really because. Um, this was sold as a prequel to Train to Busan and it came out second but I think he was sort of working on them concurrently so it doesn't really matter <laughs> to be honest okay.
2: uh, it's really it's really amazing that a companion piece is like a full yeah, I mean, movie because yeah. usually when this sort of thing happens it's like a half hour special that they find some excuse to release mm-hmm. on DVD
1: yeah but this is full but like full on it's
2: full, full <laughs> bloody yeah. thing
1: so if you want yeah, so if you want to know more about that you can read my review on the web, website
2: <coughs> <laughs> sorry I said I said my life is a pig that film I'm thinking about is
1: called King yeah. of Pigs I knew it had pig in it so I just said yes
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I haven't actually seen it
2: um, nor have I I remember it was at Annecy uh, when I went um I got a few things I want talking about.
0: Alright, fire away.
2: Um one thing, um I'm I'm gonna start a feud with um with Mark. With uh with <laughs> Mark. Because Because, um, you your know silent voice is damn good and I kinda preferred it to your name as well. Hmm. Um, I really enjoyed A Silent Voice. It was a really surprising, um, entertaining, well-made movie about teenagers. And um, I thought it had some really nice observations and um, really satisfying, surprising turns and conclusion. And I cried. I cried more than your name because I didn't cry wow. once your name. And, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed A Silent Voice. So, and that had like a really limited UK release. I think it was, it was played the, the cinema I saw it in. It was like a one night only thing. Um, but I'm glad I went for that one night because it was, it was brilliant. And, um, I subsequently found out that it's directed by, um, uh, Naoko Yamada, uh, who's, who's a uh, an animator an animation director who who started at Kyoto animation and she directed uh, K on and the K on movie uh, so I was probably already on some level uh, 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 predisposed to, to like her stuff because I I used to enjoy watching K on and I have seen the K on movie but uh, which is of course where <laughs> yeah, of course. course comes from, <laughs> from. Yeah. um but yeah a Silent voice uh, is like an adaptation of of a manga and um it didn't feel too much like an adaptation to me uh i it's it was a really yeah i was really surprised by how much i enjoyed it really um it's it has got um basically i think the problem that mark had with it is that the film deals with quite a few unlikable people
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and I think the film is fully aware of just how unlikable uh its protagonist actually is um and if you can get over that and if you can it's, i don't think it you're asked to forgive him um. Or anything like that. But if you can get over that, there's a very compelling story to be told about uh, forgiveness, essentially, and um, what effects uh, your actions have on changing people profoundly. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I think it's, uh, if, if, um, yeah, if if your name wasn't your cup of tea, uh, hang on for a silent voice because it might be what you're looking
1: well, for. But I have to say, I think your opinion uh, is more along the lines of the consensus on that film. It's it's generally been oh, well, very well received. Okay. It's just, great. Mark did not enjoy it. <laughs> fair Which
3: yeah.
0: is, I, mean, I mean, yeah, could I can have to. To a certain extent, I could understand, like especially like if you if you can't get over that hump, it's like okay, there's some really like bad stuff happening on screen right now. It's like and it's being perpetrated by the main characters. Like you, know, well, you, you can not or can't forgive that, then that's you know that's obviously yeah. going to be your big problem with the movie.
2: I think it's actually to do with the aftermath. It's it's not so much the the actions themselves, which would be uh, quote unquote like triggering. It's more. The very. I I guess essentially sometimes films have to deal with the way things really are rather than the way you think things ought to play out in a just society. And Mm -hmm. the truth is, we don't actually live in a just world. So sometimes a film's job of just simply reflecting uh, awful situations back at you um, can be quite powerful. Um experience, and uh, I quite like challenges like that as a mm. as a viewer essentially um you don 't have to like the characters but you i think you 're allowed to find them compelling yeah and I, and I certainly did and um I think another thing that that mark mentioned was that it was slightly too anime for its own good um that that is to say i mean it 's all you know it deals in cliches it 's got yeah, cherry blossom all over its poster, and it's, um, uh, you know, about an exchange student, and, no, 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 not exchange student, a new girl, and, um, it's, it's, it's certainly, um, I don't know what the word is, it feels pop, right? Mhm. yeah. It feels like, but it feels like a film for its target audience, which mm-hmm. is, which is teenagers, and I don't think there's anything wrong with a, with a movie, um, being a bit of pop, really, when, when that's its audience. So, yeah, I really enjoyed The Silent Voice. Really recommend it. Um, All right. I don't know where it's headed next. I think it's got a release in the US yeah. in the summer.
0: Nice. I think I might, I might try and take a look and see if I'm, yeah. if, which, mm. which camp I fall in.
2: Yeah, so, uh, I guess that's, that's a bit of catch up. Um, Otherwise, from that, I've not really been watching much. I watched, um, obviously, the season premiere of Rick and Morty, season three, which dropped in a weird sort of April falls. Yeah, I wasn't expecting non, that. Non-joke, uh, uh, which is just yeah, a I massive tease for the full season, which is dropping in the summer, I think. Yeah, it's uh, coming out later. Yeah, so we'll leave discussion for that. I mean, I think I'm allowed to say it's awesome and it's very good and it doesn't disappoint.
0: It's Rick and Morty. Let's just say it, it's yeah. it's still very much Rick and Morty. So if you them. like what Rick and Morty has been up until this point, I this have, is just more of that. Maybe yeah, even I mean, a little more up to the, up, upping I the ante got, a little bit. I've
1: just got the season one Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, I've imported the, because um, you can't get it in the UK. I had to, um, no, the American one. The Australian uh, one. Yeah. And um, oh, okay. I've been working my way through the special features and the commentaries and stuff, which are a lot of fun.
2: Yes. Yeah, the commentaries are crazy. So I recommend that. Yeah. Do <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: Um
2: And then apart from that, I've been watching Samurai Jack, which has been just going from strength to strength. Um, I think almost kind of like Rick and Morty, like, they probably, um, which is also an adult swim show, I get the feelings that the creators were like, okay, well, let's try this, and see what the network thinks, and then, now they're just, they're just at the point where, it's, it's a beautiful riff, which is, telling a compelling story at the same time, but also being, um, really, uh, like creative and how it's depicting things. Like the last episode reminded me of something that you'd see in like a Masaki Yuasa.
0: Cartoon. Oh yeah.
2: Um and yeah, I'm really enjoying Samurai Jack. I think that's that's really exciting. Um especially since like it's all being storyboarded and written by and directed by Gendi Tartakovsky, so it's it's um it's like the purest but most natural sort of... There's a strange... I've also been watching a bit of Dexter's Lab as well. <laughs> and there is... You can tell it's the same guy. Like, he's got his same sort of um, tendencies and and his style is still kind of preserved in Samurai Jack.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess the, it's... The, it's older it's, work. Whereas, opposed uh, to in Dexter's Lab, it was really more just for comedy... Which, I mean, he Gendy is really good at comedy. And, you mm. know, Dexter's Lab is proof of that. But it's... Samurai Jack was an experience not just have comedy, because there is definitely yeah. comedy in Samurai Jack, but it was really also another way to tell a very, just like... It's, I guess more of an unusual, but very, like, you know,
2: action-focused yeah. uh, story.
0: School,
2: I think the skill you're talking about is just one of entertainment. Yep. And whether you can keep an audience entertained and involved in something be it comedy or, you know, a story about a full-on hero uh, in the mold of, like, an
0: old legend or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even after so many years of the show not being on air, the fact that, you know, after, you know, coming... A, coming back at all was amazing in and of itself, but the fact that it's kind of been welcomed back with open arms has kind of been really, really inspiring...
2: Oh yeah, it's it's like it's never been away. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. but and but I mean but that said, they've also you know, um really pushed the designs and and done some new interesting things with it. They've not just taken a uh to uh a defibrillator, whatever those things are called. Yeah, yeah, you got the, it. The electric paddles <laughs> to uh to an old corpse they've they've imbued it with like a new life and mm-hmm. that's exciting, exciting stuff. But I'll save, I'll save really talking about that properly. Yeah. To,
0: we're, um, we're going to save We're probably, water. we've been talking about this a little bit off the air, but we'll, we'll see at some point when the, when the series has finally had its full run, then maybe we can, uh, we can have a full length discussion once we've all seen it. So keep an eye out for that. If you want to see, or if you want to you know hear us talk about that at some point, Please, you know, let us know in our on our social media via Twitter, Facebook, um, wherever you happen to follow Animation for Adults. Just please, just drop us a line and let us know if you really want to see us see us cover that or hear us cover that. So yeah, is I guess that more or less wraps up today's episode. Wouldn't you say?
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. really enjoyed talking about the Ghost in the Shell with you guys, especially. And I'm I'm definitely gonna move uh standalone complex up in the list of stuff that I need to watch cuz especially with the the you know the movie at the moment I will see that eventually and I will make sure to give you guys uh the thumbs up the thumbs down or middle of the road review at some point but we'll for the moment we're just going to enjoy the fact that both the 1995 film and the uh spin-offs that have resulted from it have all been really entertaining and have meant a lot for the world of animation and anime in general. So, again, thanks everyone for joining us for today's episode. If you want to look at our previous episodes, you can go to animationforadults.com or you can find our episodes on podcast.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you'd like to follow what's going on in, uh, just in the general animation for adults stuff, we've, um, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Pinterest.com, Tumblr, um and Instagram uh, and if you would like to kind of support us and be able to help us uh, you know produce more ep- uh, podcast episodes or new content please visit our Patreon page which will include a link in the show notes or you can uh, if you don't have that much money to spend just buy us a cup of virtual coffee uh, the link for that site will also be included in the, uh, the show notes um, Chris where can we follow you on social media?
1: Uh, Mr. Christo on Twitter and Facebook.
0: All right, very good. Dan?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Hamu.
0: And you can follow me. I'm, I'm mostly on Twitter, so you'll find me at Fail2Ninja. All right, thanks again, everyone, for joining us for this episode of the AFA podcast, and we will see you next time. Take care.
1: Bye. Bye.